welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Good morning, Long Hill Chapel. My name is Joey Monteleone, and I serve here as the worship coordinator And I love to be able to sing together and to use music to worship our God. And I love listening to all kinds of music. But have you ever listened to a song lyric and think, well, that's pretty stupid. Bob Marley has this song called I Shot the Sheriff. It doesn't make any sense. I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. Well, yeah, but you shot the sheriff. You're saying we should let you go because you didn't shoot the deputy? That's a pretty bad defense. Elton John has a song that goes, If I was a sculptor, but then again, no. Well, don't write it, Elton. We don't have to know your every thought. One of the worst lyrics I've heard is Sade's Smooth Operator. It's a great song, but it has a weird lyric. Coast to coast, L.A. to Chicago. What map are you looking at? (laughs) You see, the music is catchy, but the words are arguably the most important part of the song. You see, the words contain the message, the essence, and the heart of not only the writer and the artist, but of the audience singing along. It's why, as your worship leader, we take great effort in selecting the songs we sing and declare as a church because words matter. Words possess power and weakness. They possess blessings and curses, life and death. And as we come to the third chapter of the book of James in our Collide series, we're confronted with this reality of the power of words and the source of those words. What does the word of God have to say about our tongue and the words that come from it? Well, before we dive into that, let's open in a word of prayer. God, our prayer this morning is Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. As we ponder the content of our tongue, may we do so with soft hearts to become more like your son. Amen. If you have your Bible, open up to James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. James 3, 1 through 12, it says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but... No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In her TEDx presentation, writer and activist Dominique Christina shared a powerful poem entitled, Words Make Worlds. It's a seismic sentence that she unpacks beautifully, but the idea is profoundly critical that our words have the power and potential to create and bring life to places. Think of your favorite novel, your favorite TV show, or even your favorite movie. All of them began with a concept, an idea, but it takes a draft or a screenplay to build the worlds that you and I love escaping to because words make worlds. To further this point, even the creation story found in the book of Genesis tells a similar story that God, the author and creator of all of existence, didn't do so with his hands. He did it with words. Genesis chapter one, God said, and there was. He spoke because words have power. Our lives are changed by words. Think about hearing the words of the gospel for the first time. Your life has never been the same since hearing those words. Words can affirm you, and words can tear you down. Some of you are walking fully confident in yourself and your calling because of a word given to you about your purpose, about your impact, and your value. I have a note in my phone of impactful things that people have said to me that I'll never forget because they shaped my life. Others of us limp in this life with the weight of a passing comment meant to tear you down many years ago that you still haven't healed from. Some of our current issues today are because of an old trauma that center around someone's words. Proverbs 12, 18 says it like this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. The tongue has great potential and it is also a great problem. As James is pointing out, the tongue is many things, but summed up, it's complicated. And looking through this passage, I see three things that help us frame and better understand the tongue and the words we use. Let's look at verses one and two one more time. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. This section begins differently than I would prefer. <laughs> We live in a culture, specifically a Christian subculture, that promotes you-can-do-it slogans, empowering you up for greatness, saying anything is possible. And so when we hear something like, you shouldn't do it, or you can't do it, it seems deflating. It's unfamiliar. And it's almost out of place, especially when we slap on the Philippians 4.13 bumper sticker of, I can do all things through Christ. It's a very discouraging place to start. And it says, not many of you should become teachers. And so we need some context here. Why is James writing this? 
Well, James is writing from the mother church in Jerusalem to these other churches, and their context for spiritual authority was the Pharisees, religious leadership that came with prestige and respect, and it was a desired position because of the clout that came with it. And the teacher is one gifted not only to understand and explain scripture, but to equip the saints for godly living. But James is saying not many of you should do this because of the responsibility that comes with it. You will be held to a higher standard than most for sharing and spreading messages that, quote, come from God. And so the first point is that the tongue is accountable. The tongue is accountable. And in our age and time where if you have a ring light and the ability to speak, you can set up your iPhone and get on social media, promoting yourself as having information and accreditation, and people will view you as a teacher. And what James is calling out here is that if your desire is for applause and position, if it's for recognition and for likes, you will be surprised at the end of your life when you're held to a standard that you never expected. And this isn't to make you fearful. It's to make you reverent. It's to make you aware. And he starts this section like this, not only to sober up our desires, but in another sense, I believe that we all teach in some way. We may not have a platform or a pulpit, but there are areas of influence in our lives that we all hold, and we must be accountable for our words. What you say is more important than you can ever imagine. And we can't allow the temptation for power or prestige to be our motivation. And so the tongue is accountable. The second thing this passage points out is that the tongue is powerful. Let's look again at the metaphors James uses to illustrate the tongue's powerful influence in verses 3 through 6. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So all three examples are small things that control large things. It's ironic that something so small can have more control over us than we think. The bit controls the horse. The rudder controls the ship. The spark sets the forest ablaze. And so if the analogy transfers, we could say that having control over your tongue means that you have control over your whole body. Like he mentions in verse two, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And so here's another way of thinking about this. If you can't control your mouth, you likely can't control anything else. If you can't control your mouth, you likely can't control anything else. If you can't control the bit, you can't control the horse. If you can't control the rudder, you can't control the boat. And if you can't control your tongue, you can't control yourself. And this is super encouraging. 
It's just why you came to church. <laughs> but think this idea out with me. You know, we've all experienced someone who can't control what they say, whether that's in gossiping, slander, rude jokes, hurtful comments. Their speech usually isn't the only thing they can't control. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's their social media posts. Maybe it's substance consumption. The mouth is just a small indicator of the issues that we all struggle with. And so this begs the question, why? Why is the tongue so hard to control? My son loves wires. You'll often see him on the stage after or before the service wrapping up wires and sometimes the wires get tangled. And to untangle the wires, we have to figure out where they come from so that we can understand why they're tangled and then how to untangle them. And so in the same way, to understand why the tongue is so tangled and hard to control, we have to understand where it comes from. What is the source of the content coming out of our mouths? Well, when I say this, you're never going to forget it. It's Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, yes, this is a tongue issue, but the source is not the tongue. It's the heart. The tongue is like a microphone for what's happening inside of us. And what does the Bible tell us about the heart? That it's great and abounding in love for our fellow man? No. Jeremiah 17, 9 calls the heart deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And this is so important to understand and unpack to a degree that the reason our tongues are hard to control is because the source of what comes out of our mouths is a desperately wicked heart. We are not basically good people who just need a little course correction. Jesus didn't have to die because we were so close and just needed a little help. No, we are a fallen humanity in desperate need of a savior from the inside out. And the reason we're pointing this out is because if we properly understand the issue, then we can properly address the solution. To fully address the problem, we must combat it at the source. Our sinful problematic hearts. Now, one would look at this and say, okay, my tongue is a problem and the source of that problem is my heart. So if I just control my heart, then I'll control my tongue, right? But that's easier said than done. See what I did there? Because in verse eight, James says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He continues in verse nine. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And if there's any verse in this passage that challenges me most, it's verses 9 and 10. With the tongue, we worship God and we curse people who are made in his image. There's a huge disconnect between our worship of God and the speech towards people he's made. 
And this is super easy for me to provide examples as your worship leader. We sing, I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. And in the next breath, we say, how stupid is this president? We sing with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And then we condemn communities that don't like us and complain about our situation. It's inconsistent. We have forgotten that the way we talk about people says a lot about what we believe about God. I'll say that again. The way we talk about people says a lot about what we believe about God. I mean, could you imagine if God was like this? If he expressed his love, adoration, and affection to us through song and then was chatting up the angels with how stupid we are sometimes? Number one, that doesn't happen, just to be clear. And number two, not only would it not be kind, it would be inconsistent with the word love. And James says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can fig trees bear olives? Can grapevines bear figs? Neither can salt springs produce fresh water. You can't have it both ways. You can't declare love for God and disdain for those created in his image. Now, to be clear, that's not to say you can't disagree with people. That doesn't mean we don't stand up against the evil in this world. And that doesn't mean we just keep our mouths closed all the times. But what we need to remember is that our words reveal what our hearts hide. What you say bears the fruit of who you are. And so now our issue becomes doubly complicated. It's not just about taming the tongue, but dealing with the content of our hearts. We are dealing with an accountable, powerful, and inconsistent weapon that we all have, we all misuse, and according to James, none of us can control. And so what do we do? We need to deal with the source of our words so that our words and our worship match so that we are blessing both God and those around us. There's two B's that we need when dealing with our mouths and our hearts. And the first is be honest. I'll speak for myself. I don't take this issue as seriously as I should. I think I'm pretty good. I try to keep my mouth in check, and I only say stuff that really needs to be said. But you know what? That's not living in truth. The truth is my tongue reflects a very wicked, deceitful, and problematic heart at times that's inconsistent with the songs I sing and mirrors things in my life that I need to change. And so I need to be honest. We as the church need to be honest and confess of our misuse of our tongues, to repent of the ways we've used words to tear down instead of build up. Because again, let's step into honesty. The church has had a lot to say about many things. And where there has been God-honoring speech, there's even more destructive content. We need to be honest. 
and repent of the death that we spread online, that we spread to our families, to our coworkers. The first step in restoration and healing is admittance of coming to grips that what comes out of our mouths has been destructive at times. We have to be honest. But once we've been honest about the content and condition of our mouths and hearts, then we can be filled. Jesus says in John 14 that he's going to the Father. He's leaving us. And in verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. We have the Holy Spirit. And we desperately need its help. And even though the human tongue cannot be tamed by any one of us, it can be tamed by the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Galatians 5 says, We know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. This is possible. But we need to receive it. The example that comes to mind is a jar with dirty water. Now, we won't get clean water by just adding more water. When we remove the dirty water, when we're honest about the condition of the water, that this is not acceptable, that's the first step. Then we can empty the jar. But then with an empty jar, we can then be filled with the Spirit. We're putting something new in its place. But like we see in James, with the fresh water and salt water, you can't have it both ways. You can't be filled until you've been honest. And so I just want us to spend some time as the community here of believers to be honest, be honest about our words, about the content of them, to confess where necessary, but then to be filled by God's spirit, like it says in Ephesians 5. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we confess that our mouths reflect our hearts and they are inconsistent at best. We praise you and then we put people down. We seek you and then we slander. We give you glory and then we gossip. We're broken people and we confess that. We, we ask for the forgiveness for the ways in which our mouths have not reflected your goodness and your grace. And we ask, Father, for a fresh filling of your spirit in our lives so that the world around us would see your love and experience it through us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at LHCNJ. And we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless. Thank you.